Blog Talk Radio. time in a little while to the fantasy football feeding frenzy. I am your host, Gary Davenport. After a brief hiatus, we are back on the air. Something about a game this weekend. As always, I am joined by the co-hostesses with the mostesses, Walton Sperlin. How you doing, Wally? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I've got my uh, early February annual cold, which I always enjoy, but just to let everyone know, I have taken Dayquil. It's a Dayquil buzz tonight as opposed to the NyQuil, which I have taken before the show uh, before and decided that wasn't a good idea. So I'm going to go ahead and soldier on through and uh, talk about the big game and, um, and have a good time here in uh, freezing cold Michigan. Absolutely. Todd Lasky is here as well. Mr. Lasky, how are things in the frozen north? Uh, yeah, it's actually pretty chilly up here. Uh, that, that cold thing that uh, Wally's fighting has been around to here many times. And, Wally, I would just advise one thing. Don't mix Dayquil with Dramamine. It's just it's not a pretty picture. <laughs> now you've given me an idea. <laughs> As a lion Todd, you don't offer me those things. <laughs> you party animal, you. Before we get into the Super Bowl, I figure we'll kick around a couple of the more recent developments across the National Football League that aren't Super Bowl related, because believe it or not, there have been one or two that don't have to do with the game in Houston. The first, and I w- was interested to get you guys' feelings on this, was the surprising news over this past weekend that the San Francisco 49ers hired John Lynch, former safety of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Denver Broncos Hall of Fame finalist this year, may well get in, as their general manager on a six-year contract, which is just about unheard of. And then we'll go to you first, Wally. I mean, what do you make of this? Do you think – I know what they're hoping – is that Lynch can sort of follow in that John Elway mode and go from player to executive. But, I mean, what, how do you feel about it? Well, you've obviously knocked on the wrong door when you talk to a Detroit Lions fan about someone going from uh, not just player but commentator to general manager as we're still digging out from the dreaded Matt Millen era. Uh, it was surprising to see when I – Woke up that morning, and that was the news. Uh, maybe it broke late the night before, but I, I got it on Mike and Mike in the morning. And I'm like, really? John Lynch? Again, having, you know, and I saw Matt Millen commented on it that, you know, it wasn't an easy transition. Yeah, no, duh, except we kept re-upping your contract here. I don't know. It's, to me, it's, I don't think it's a great move by the 49ers, especially six years. Um, I know that's what they're going to probably hire Shanahan at. And from what I understand, Lynch kind of put him through a, can you keep this secret for a couple of weeks? Because I, that I'm even interested in the job because there's been rumors of leaks from the front office or from the 49ers. That seems weird to me. 
supposedly he sold himself to Shanahan, which, you know, they're, they're kind of obviously going to be a package deal once the Super Bowl is over. But, again, you know, I, I'm just way jaded on the thought of this after Matt Millen was just horrible here. I know Elway has done what he's done, and that's great. But I lived through the Millen era, and it was horrible. So, um, to me, I think it's a bad move by the 49ers. We'll see how it plays out, but no experience. I mean, that's in a team that it was as bad as they were last year, and they've gone through, what, two head coaches the last two years? Was it three and three? Either way, I don't like the move at all. That I mean, to me, I can kind of understand why you would want to give the longer contracts, and I support an organization once they pick these guys and they say, okay, these are our guys giving them a little bit of rope as opposed to getting caught in the whole hamster wheel of losing where, you know, you have a couple bad years, you can the coach, can the general manager, hire new guys. Those guys come in, look at the roster, say, okay, this won't work. I need my guys. And you just, you get stuck. Cleveland's been doing it for the past 15 years, but I'm with you. A guy with no experience, you look at that San Francisco roster, I mean, they might be the most talent-bereft team in the national football. I mean, even more so than Cleveland. And you have to wonder, the personnel side, how long it's going to take them to retool that rod. I mean, they don't have a quarterback. There are just so many holes and so much work to do that, frankly, there was part of me that was surprised to see Kyle Shanahan take that job. I mean, we saw Josh McDaniels especially after some of the other jobs filled relatively quickly, essentially Mm -hmm. say, you know what, I'm happy where I am, which to me was code for that job's not good enough. Now, granted, this is Shanahan's first shot. It will be Josh McDaniel's second when he, I think everybody thinks eventually he's going to be a head coach again. So I guess maybe it's a little different, but I just, to me, it feels like Kyle Shanahan is being set up to fail. And I just... Uh, I'm with you, Wally. It, it doesn't impress. If I was a 49ers fan, it's not a move that would put a smile on my face. This next story comes from the Twin Cities, so I'm going to have to get Todd's take on it, and it is not. Good news. Reports coming out that Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings, could miss, in addition to the entire 2016 season, the entire 2017 season as well, which has to give you pause as to his career prospects moving forward. I mean, what's the latest you've heard locally, Todd? I mean, where do you think this leaves the Vikings? Well, obviously the Vikings must have known a little bit more about Teddy Bridgewater's Mm -hmm. injury when uh, it first happened than what they let on when they decided to get Bradford on a two-year deal. Uh, That speaks volumes, but now immediately they have to think about, A, getting Bradford back on board for another contract, and or B, making sure that quarterback becomes a priority in the draft, and they've got several other areas of need. So that really puts a, paints a, a very vague picture as to what's going to happen according to the draft. There are a lot of strong positions in the draft, I personally don't think quarterback is one of them. Now, there's a mm-hmm. lot of quarterbacks that are, that are going to be out there in free agency, but part of me says, well, they're going to be free agents because of a certain reason. Most of them are not very attractive to me. 
and let alone are they going to want to come here and be a backup to Bradford because obviously Bradford will start. Yeah, I mean, you look at the talk of Kirk Cousins to San Francisco, they can dream until the Mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins is not leaving Washington. If they have to franchise him again at $24 million bucks for 2007, that's what they're going to do. They're not. I don't care if they're not completely sold on Kirk Cousins as a $120 million quarterback. <laughs> they're not. He's not leaving. I mean, I think the, the best options you would be looking at so far as veteran free agents, I don't know that Tony Romo is going to have any real interest in going to Minnesota, and I don't know that they would necessarily have what it would take to swing a trade for. I mean, you're looking at, like, Jay Cutler, Tyrod Taylor, those guys. Which Taylor's Ryan, not a Ryan Ryan Fitzpatrick, Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, none of them are appealing. Right. The only so, one that was appealing was Kirk Cousins, but but I agree with you. He's not going to be going anywhere. Kirk Cousins is staying in Washington. What about well, I Big just Tall did. Mike I just, Lennon? Now, about, you know, there you might be on to something. That's the one guy. He's used to holding the clipboard. That's the one guy of the quarterbacks hitting free agency. I mean, because Garoppolo, if the Patriots are serious about wanting a first-round pick, he's not going anywhere either. Um. That's the one guy getting ready to set to hit free agency that I find at least a little interest. Because he showed a couple flashes, and guaranteed some team is going to convince themselves that he can be a starting quarterback and he's going to get paid a ridiculous amount of money and hasn't done anything. But at least there's a little bit of potential there. And like I said, mm-hmm. I don't dislike Tyrod Taylor. I mean, he's not a great quarterback, but I don't understand the Bills' zeal to – cast him aside. I don't think that really, you know, Buffalo, once again, hamster wheel, and they got a new coach coming in, so here we go again. It's quarterback is just so, they're essentially, the draft is really the only way you're going to address the quarterback position in today's NFL, or swing a trade. I don't like the Vikings did. So essentially, what you're telling me, Todd, is that Sam Bradford is going to get paid again. Yes. And and rumor has it, uh, Adrian Peterson has already listed four teams that he would like to play for if he's not a Viking. But he has said he wants to stay in purple. Well, I don't think the purple are going to pay him his $18 million. I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, there might be a couple other surprise cuts in Minnesota. Uh, they're talking uh, Cordell Patterson wants to get paid, and I don't see that the Vikings are going to pay him what he wants. So there could be a, another opening on the roster. Now, it, it's it's turning into what could be a very ugly situation up here. And uh, as a diehard fan who bleeds purple, uh, I'm very, very much on edge right now. I don't see a lot of positive coming in the near future. The Garrett Blount will hit free agency, leave New England, and Adrian Peterson will sign with the Patriots. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. There it is. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, sure. I mean, and if he'll reel off a 1,900-yard season, then the Patriots will go to their seventh straight AFC championship game, and, oh, my God, I'm tired of talking about the Patriots. But, I mean, you got to take your hats off, Phil. I mean, you're talking about a team that didn't have their starting quarterback for the first month of the season. Traded their best pass rusher before the season even started. Traded arguably their best linebacker in the middle of the season, and went fourteen and two, and they're playing in their what ninth Super Bowl as a franchise on the Sunday. So it's incredibly annoying. 
before the Super Bowl, though, we have the pageantry, the pageantry, and the gala, and the black tie affair that is the NFL Honors on Saturday night. We'll hit on that for just a few minutes before we start breaking down the Super Bowl. Go to you first, Todd, Offensive Player of the Year. You know, it's so tricky, you know, because you easily see one person winning Offensive Player of the Year and another person winning MVP for various reasons. Um, uh, I think that they should go hand-in-hand, but very often they don't. If I were voting, I would think that one wins the other. And so my choice would be Matt Ryan for what he has done with this Atlanta Falcons team, taking them from last place to playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, Matt Ryan has been very good, but not great in the past. So this year he was phenomenal, and I think he deserves that award. I think he deserves the MVP as well. So because of my argument that I think both of those, the MVP and Offensive Player of the Year, should be the same person, I think it's Matt Ryan. Yeah, perfect world, me personally, and this just because it sets up for guys that deserve hardware to get hardware and to kind of spread it around a little bit. I would like to see. I think Matt Ryan's going to be MVP. My Pro Football Writers of America vote, I voted for Aaron Rodgers. Matt Ryan won that vote. I think he's going to win Saturday, too. I have no problem with that. I do not disagree with that call. I just chose Aaron Rodgers personally. I'd like to see Ezekiel Elliott win Offensive Player of the Year because that would open up Offensive Rookie of the Year for Dak Prescott. I don't think that will happen, but in mm-hmm. a perfect world, that I just that would work for me. I'm going to go to you first for this one, Wally, because we had a very um, – the writers at Bleacher Report all got together. There's 10 total that took place in this, and we did a our own vote for the NFL honors. And there was a three-way tie for Defensive Player of the Year. Landon Collins got one vote. But then Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and Khalil Mack, all three received three votes apiece. So I will let you break the tie. Who is the 2016 Defensive Player of the Year? Oh, I'm going to Lil Mac. I know he started out slow. You know, I'm, we had some discussions on him on this podcast about, you know, as we often do with IDB players, you got to stick with him. One of my favorite sayings, water finds its level, and he did. And then second half of the season really came on. Um, I know, you know, Von Miller had a good year. Obviously Aaron Donald as well. But for me, it's Khalil Mack. Uh, I just like his all-around game. I, I, you know, I like the numbers he put up. I think going into next year, I know J.J. Uh, Watt has already deemed himself healthy and ready for football activities or been cleared, but J.J. always tends to, I think, overestimate uh, where he's at in his recovery and all of that. So I think that the gap is really closed between him and Khalil Mack, for who I may go as the number one uh the defensive end next year, a defensive lineman, depending on your league settings. But, no, to me, it's Khalil Mack. I, I like what he ended up being I, able to do. So, that's my guy. Zero argument for me. 73 tackles, led all defensive ends, was, I think, third among defensive linemen behind a pair of tackles. Uh, Snack Harrison and Linball Joseph. You mentioned the 11 sacks, five forced fumbles, eight straight games with a sack. Him and Aaron Donald, to me, are the only two guys. I, Von Miller had a great season, but it wasn't his best work. 
and I don't really think it was on the level of Mac and Donald. I know Aaron Donald only had eight sacks, but it, it, those numbers just don't tell the story of how dominant Aaron Donald has become on the inside. But I, I'm with you, Khalil Mack, and I'm very interested to see the Raiders for the first time in quite a few years are headed into free agency with a pretty nice little war chest so far as cap space. And, you know, they can wiggle a little bit. I'm sure they'll make even more with, you know, a couple restructures and a cut here and there. And I, I think they're one of their biggest priorities needs to be they need to find a guy to compliment Mac. I'm also interested to see what Oakland does defensively since they hired Mike Nolan. Or excuse me, John Pagano, brain fart. Uh, they brought John Pagano in, and it's very interesting to me because Pagano is a 3-4 guy, and then you've got Ken Norton and Jack Del Rio are both 4-3 guys. So that's there's going to be it's going to be some IDP writings coming up at Fantasy Sharks about scheme changes because we're going to see quite a few this year. I think I think it's pretty obvious the Cleveland Browns are headed to a 4-3 under Greg Williams. The Buffalo Bills will be headed to a 4-3, um, which is Jerry Hughes as a defensive end. Hallelujah. Nice. Uh, nice. I would be I would be surprised if we see Jason Pierre-Paul. If Pierre-Paul wants to get paid, it wouldn't surprise me to see him in an orange helmet next year because the Browns have all the cap space in the world. <clears throat> so IDP would be a, good move. be a very interesting offseason. I think we all well, agree. I, and, Go ahead, Venturing on that same topic, uh, I wouldn't be a bit surprised. I know IDP is your guys' forte, but I'm thinking of dabbling in that IDP uh, column writing myself, and I would, you guys would be very, very surprised at what I'm going to have to say. I'm going to keep you in suspense for now, but I've got a topic on hand that I think you guys would be floored by. And hey, that's okay. I saw I told, Tony, I, I told Tony I may dip my toe in the water a little bit more offensively in 2017 at Fantasy Sharks. And the stuff I wrote that was that was apparently well-received, let's put it that way because I don't want to humble break, was yeah, well, you know, yeah, sooner, or later, I, sooner or later, I would like to get myself nominated for one of those uh, awards that uh, you seem to get nominated for about every other column that you like, Gary. By the way, congratulations again. Yes, I wanted to take a moment to say the same thing. Congratulations, Mr. Davenport, on your fine work once again being recognized. Now, what are your articles that are up that, that, so we can all make sure we check them out? And by we, we mean everybody who hears this. I would have to go back through and look so far. Um, the print article of the year that I was about—I'm a finalist for, which I won that one last year—is uh, one I did for I want to say the second of the four magazines I wrote for Football Diehards. I'd have to look back through. Uh, it was first things first. It was a study into which position gave you the most bang for your buck in the first round of fantasy drafts, you know, some data analysis and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. The conclusion I come to at the end was, honestly, you could make a case for just about any of them except quarterbacks. So it was a, I talked for in a circle, essentially, for about 3,000 words. But I was proud of the way that one turned out. And then there, because for a football writer of the year, you have to submit, I think, three. 
and I don't even know which ones. I'd have to go back through to look to even see which ones those were. To be nominated there, that just I was, that was I awesome. just sat there and stared at the computer screen for about five minutes because that's just I mean to be nominated to be a finalist at all was an incredible honor, and it always floors me. But to be nominated for Fantasy Football Writer of the Year is very cool. I won't lie. I hope I win, but I'm not going to be disappointed if I don't. I'm going up against some great guys. And it's, you know, it sounds like stupid award show nonsense, but it's true. It's an honor to be nominated. So, I love my job. I love my job. I love my job so much. Well-deserved, and that's why me and Todd are just so happy to fit ourselves down on the coattails of this podcast and just and ride where it goes. No, you don't Say want me riding like my coattails because I'm <laughs> taking us all this <laughs> straight to hell. Okay, I think we're well, all in I agreement. I think we're all in agreement on the offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's really any suspense coming with the – which is, sucks for Dak Prescott, but – Zeke Elliott's the offensive rookie of the year. Joey Bosa's the defensive rookie of the year. Can't argue that. What about coach of the year? Coach of the year, you know, that is an interesting one. I believe that the winner at Bleacher Report was, and this is a guy who has gotten a lot of flack over the past, I think it's six years and change that he's been running the show. I think the writers at Bleacher Report, I picked Dan Quinn personally in Atlanta. But the guy who got the most votes at Bleacher Report was Jason Garrett, Dallas Cowboys. And really? actually, he would, he would be my choice for Coach of the Year. You know, when you take a, a, a team and you're starting a rookie quarterback, and not only a rookie, but he was drafted uh, late in the draft, and you're starting also a uh, rookie at running back, your two most important positions on offense in most people's eyes are rookies. And you take a team from a worst in the NFC to best record in the NFC in one year. I think that says an awful lot. Really? Yeah. I and would I go think Bill Belichick. Well, and he's got 13 of them. not a popular pick. Oh, I know that. I know it's not, it's not a popular pick. I think if you look at what that team went through, yeah, with the Brady suspension, Gronk being hurt for a lot of the year, and like we mentioned earlier, Chandler Jones being traded before the year, Jamie Collins during the year, and you still finish 14-2. and two. I know he's not a popular guy. But to do that, whether or not they win the Super Bowl, which we'll discuss, but I just think that, that to me, that's, that's some great coaching. Oh, he did a phenomenal job. So did Garrett. I think it speaks well to Garrett. I mean, you look at his offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, Scott Linehan, and Rod Marinelli. Those are veteran guys. Those are guys that have been in the coaching mm-hmm. game a heck of a lot longer than Jason Garrett has. And there's no, you know, grousing, no power plays, no behind the scenes. I mean, they defer to their head coach, and that speaks well to the ship that Garrett's running. And I'm, a lot of people, myself included, have bagged on Jason Garrett in the past, you know, maybe saying you can barely see Jerry Jones' lips moving when Garrett talks or something to that effect. He did a heck of a – and Belichick, I mean, what can you really say about Bill Belichick at this point? He's coaching in his 
43rd Super Bowl, and he's a Sith Lord. I think we've established that. The force is strong with him. Here's any other categories. Who's your MVP, Wally? I know Todd already said Matt Ryan. Uh, uh, same thing. I think we talked about this on one of our last. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go along with Matt Ryan. At career highs and yards passing, touchdowns to take that team, you know, to where they are now and from where they were last year. And, and a lot of people had thought he had pretty much flatlined and, and, and hit his ceiling. And and to really do it in, you know, my estimation. I mean, it, it's been the way they use running back. I mean, he's been a big part of it. But with just Julio Jones. Yes, that does mean to slight Mohamed Sanu, who you know, was a nice acquisition, but really no tight end of note until next year when Austin Hooper steps up. Look at me teasing, but I just like uh, I like Matty Ice for that. We still got to do comeback player of the year. This is the one. You know, there are I'm, quite I'm doing a skinny few. Fingers. There are quite a few more than worthy candidates there. Wally, is, you were the one that teased it. Who's your C-P-O-T-Y. Um, I'm, I'm torn between two players, both of whom I just happen to be a huge fan of. I think if you look at it, if you, you know, this last year, I would probably think Jordy Nelson's going to win it just because of the numbers he put up. But I love what Cameron Wake did as well. And the IDP part of me would love to see him bring it home. But I get the feeling it's probably going to go to Jordy Nelson. Yeah, me too. And if Cameron Wakes, you got my vote with Pro Football Writers of America. I will freely admit to be able to, at his age, come back mm-hmm. from the Achilles 10. And I think you can say, to an extent, the same thing about Steve Smith, to be able to return. And Steve Smith tore mm-hmm. his Achilles late in the season and got back out there. And I know he didn't have the best season of his career, but it may have been one of the most impressive, just given everything he had to get through to go out there and do it. Um, who's your comeback player of the year, Todd? Well, yeah, you know, I've given us a lot of thought, and I had said a few weeks ago that, you know, Jimmy Graham should be way up there, and he should be. Uh, this is actually a very good year mm-hmm. for comeback player of the year nominees. There's a, a big, long list. But at the end of the day, after reviewing everything, I have to agree with the pick of Jordan Nelson. I, I would be pretty surprised if that's not who winds up bringing that award home, to be honest, given, I mean, great numbers. And you can't, like you said, it's a great year for comeback player of the year. And what makes it even better is that one of the guys that made the comeback is not a quarterback, so it's wide open, as opposed to if there's a year where a quarterback gets hurt and comes back, returns to form, you might as well just write his name on the outside of the trophy because he's going to win it because quarterbacks win everything. Because there is no justice in the world. Agreed. Well, I guess there's a game Sunday. Something about Super Bowl Y or something. The I, NFC I champion more, Atlanta Packers. I, I thought it was more of just, just a, a game in the background of a lot of good commercials. You know what, before exactly. we get to that, let's just, just for a couple minutes, the Pro Bowl this past weekend, which I covered for Bleacher Report, is it just me, or did that game not suck? Yeah, it was one of the better uh, Pro, Bowl, Pro Bowls that I can remember. All right, I'm going to go ahead and have to fess up. 
that uh, old Uncle Waldo, as I wrote in Wally's World this week, does not watch the Pro Bowl. So for the fourth year in a row, I have I wouldn't say boycotted it, or what is it, the line from Office Space? Hey, Wally, I see you've been missing the Pro Bowl lately. I wouldn't say I've been missing it. Didn't watch it. So I'm going to have to def- defer to you two right now on that one because I, 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 I have not and I do not. Wally, it wasn't people actually tackled. Everson Griffin had a monster game, had, I think, three seconds. Lorenzo Alexander blew Jimmy Graham up. I mean, Jimmy Graham was not happy about getting hit that hard in the Pro Bowl. It was the deciding play of the game. Uh, Cousins throws a pass. Lorenzo Alexander intercepted it. He takes off running, laterals it to a key to lead. Tlaib's traversing the length of the field. Looks like he's going to score. Here comes Cousins running in from behind, knocks the ball away. The NFC almost got the ball. I mean, they were trying. There was effort. And that's what I wrote in my review, because that was my job, was a reaction piece about the Pro Bowl that night. And I said, people have been talking for years about how can we fix the Pro Bowl, and we just figured it out. Effort. All they they have tried. I mean, yeah, I understand they're never going to go out there and give it 110%. I understand. You know, you're playing for 64 grand for the winner, 32 grand for the losers. Mm -hmm. You've got livelihoods to think about. The last thing anybody wants to do is get hurt. But you can go out there and play. And it seemed like, I, I don't, maybe it was because. There were, I think, 35 guys playing in the game that were there for the first time. And they just weren't bored yet. But it was, I've been covering the Pro Bowl for Bleacher Report since, we've been 2011. So I've watched every one of them, and this was far and away the best one of the bunch. They went back to AFC, NFC, which was a good idea. That fantasy stuff, the fantasy thing was cute for one year. They got old quick. And yeah. it was – I didn't hate it. Usually when I get Pro Bowl detail, I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> Watch it. And Lorenzo Alexander blew Jimmy Graham up. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is what I'm talking about, guys. Uh, well, good time. I, I, I may have to come back on board, but I, I can't say that I didn't enjoy um, binge-watching Stranger Things. So uh, as long as there's not another show like that next year, I may have to come back to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, maybe it was because they played it at night instead of – because I know they have to start it at a certain time because of the time difference in Hawaii. Right, and I think it's back in Honolulu next year, if memory serves. But I don't Uh, think about it. It was a little different. I heard Orlando's going to fight because they, they also think that they are deserving of having it uh, more, too. So I've already seen that Orlando is going to fight to try and get more Pro Bowls as well. You know what other oh. city I've heard mentioned? And apparently the NFL has looked into it. Sydney. Oh, wow. May, you know what? Yeah. Probably not. After after current events, that may not happen. <laughs> we, 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 we might not get to or you know what? We should send it. This is what you get now. You get the Pro Bowl. You you you're, you're right. We might be turned away at the border. You're absolutely <laughs> That is it. No no Pro Bowl for you. <laughs> Has anyone? 
I haven't looked at the pro, the Super Bowl point spread in a couple of days. Is it still sitting at three? Yeah, uh, I think it is. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's a fairly even kind of spread you want to see before the Super Bowl. It denotes potentially a close game. You know, it kind of sets up. To me, it's a little bit like uh, a few years ago when Denver and Seattle went at it. You've got, you know, this offense that's just an unstoppable juggernaut that's just been chewing defenses to pieces, going up against the number one scoring defense in the NFL. I mean, I hope it works out better for Atlanta than it did for Denver. Mm -hmm. But that stuff is a really good game. There's no shortage of storylines. We'll go to you first, Todd. What is one thing the Atlanta Falcons absolutely have to do if they want to win this game? Well, to be honest, I think when you give Bill Belichick a chance to uh, have two weeks to game plan, uh, obviously he's going to game plan to try and stop Julio Jones. I think what they need to do is they need to get their running backs involved in both the running and the passing game, keep the Patriots' defense on their toes, and keep them so they can't load one side or the other side and keep them balanced throughout the field so that Atlanta can use their speed to their best offensive force to move the ball and keep the game close. I have no doubt what the New England Patriots are going to do with Julio Jones. They're going to do the same thing to him that they did to the Rams 13 or 14 years ago. They're going to press him big time. Mm-hmm. He's going to get a lot of love close to the line of scrimmage, I think, anyway. And that you know that there isn't a better head coach in the National Football League than Bill Belichick at taking away that one thing you do best. So, plus they've got Devin McCourty. Right. I'll tell you what would be interesting. You know, they, I want to see how, how, how they decide to take away Julio Jones or if they decide to give Julio Jones you know, just enough and then take away the two running backs. Because as, as Todd mentioned, I, I, I worry about that. So I don't know for sure they'll double Julio all the time, maybe put uh, Butler on him and give him his as long as it's not in the red zone, if they can, and and, and try and take away the running backs. Because I don't fear a lot of other options on that Atlanta offense. Um, I mean, yeah, they're, they're rolling up points, as you mentioned, two weeks to prepare. I mean, the hoodie's going to come up with something – Strange and able to stop them, but I, I'm I, I'm going to be curious because I know they they've changed it up at different times whether or not they're going to double the number one receiver or just give him what he'll get but try to deny him the end zone. And I think that's going to be a, a, a fun thing to watch is what uh, New England's defense does. I don't know that they'll necessarily double Julio. I think you're just going to see, especially on vertical pass routes, you're going to see Devin McCourty kind of roll to that side. Mm-hmm. and try to give Malcolm Butler. I think that's the thing they're going to try to prevent Julio Jones from doing is beating them over this, keeping him in front of him. You know, 10, 12-yard receptions are one thing, 52-yard catches are another. And they've also got Taylor Gay. You know, you get too concerned with Julio Jones, and Taylor Gay will bust a 60-yard touchdown, and all of a sudden, whoops, and I agree, the Atlanta running backs are going to be a huge factor. They have to step up big. And obviously, I mean, it goes without saying they cannot turn the ball over. Wally, you're one of the resident defensive gurus at FantasySharks.com. 
what does that young Atlanta defense have to do to stop the New England Patriots? Oh, that's a, that's a great question, I, and I think it plays into just why I think the Patriots are going to win the game. What they need to do, and I don't think they're going to be able to do, is just generate a normal pass rush just without having to blitz, which Atlanta is not capable of doing. They've blitzed a lot more in their playoff wins, which you know has led to more quarterback pressures and – Sacks, but not for Vic Beasley, who has—I don't believe he has a sack in the in the postseason. I know he had 15 and a half, I think, in the regular season, but I yeah. think about six or seven of those came in two games. So, if you look at the teams that beat New England in the playoffs, or even give them a game, which Houston did for about a half, you have to generate a natural pass rush without having right. to blitz. Because when you blitz, you play right into Tom Brady's wheelhouse. I mean, he's got one of the best slot receivers in Edelman. He's got two great pass receiving running backs in Lewis and White. He's got Bennett, who's going to create mismatches. But what Chris I, Hogan has stepped up. Yeah, yeah, Chris Hogan. So, yeah, what Atlanta needs to do, I don't think they're capable of doing. Claiborne's out. I think it's a pectoral injury. They don't really have any natural – pass rushers. Beasley can flash, but like I said, he has it in the playoffs and he doesn't have, you know, he generally comes off right tackle, I believe. Well, New England's right tackle has done a great job of uh, of stymieing uh, defensive ends or outside linebackers, pass rushers, or edge rushers. So, this is why I think the Patriots will win, is I don't see a way that Atlanta's defense is going to be able to pressure Brady enough without blitzing and if they do blitz, I believe he's one of the you got one of the quickest release, like 2.32 seconds, something along those lines, or they're getting the ball out. And, again, he has so many weapons that he'll be able to pick them apart. And that's why I, I think New England ends up winning, although, you know, Atlanta's offense is going to be able to move the ball. But, yeah, what that defense needs to do, I just don't think they're capable of doing. Well, and New England's defense is so good at the whole bend but don't break thing. I mean, they – I don't know where they rank in yardage. I think it's in the top ten, but it's toward the lower half of the top ten. They're first in scoring defense. I think they allowed 15.6 points a game in the regular season, so they're very good at keeping teams out of the end zone. And I agree with you. I wonder, too, how Atlanta is going to fare at the point of attack against the power run game in LeGarrette Blunt. And if you let Blunt, you know, get three and four yards on first down and, and you keep mm-hmm. giving Tom Brady – third and three and third and four and just opening up that whole playbook for the Patriots, you're going to be in trouble. And I I completely agree with you that if the Falcons are going to win that game, they've got to get it. Like you said, when the Giants have beaten Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, it's because they got up in his grill the entire game Mm -hmm. and they generated that pressure with just their front four. Because if you come after Tom Brady, he is going to make you pay. And Wally already offered his Super Bowl pick. I'm with him. I like the Falcons. Are a, they've done a great job this year. They've got a bright future when you look at I mean, Matt Ryan's only 31 years old. Julio's the prime of his career. Taylor Gabriel's a pup. You know, the defense is very, very young and athletic, and I think they're just going to get better and better. But I also think Brady might use that youth against them right. a little bit. In the game, you know, Atlanta is missing their number one cornerback in Desmond Trufant. 
which hurts. I just I have a hard time seeing the Falcons winning the game. But I'll ask you this, Todd. What do the Falcons have to do? Give me a scenario where the Atlanta Falcons emerge victorious in Super Bowl 51. Well, uh, to be honest, I, I don't know if I've got a good answer because I'm both of you guys. I think the Patriots are going to win. I would love to see a new team win. So in my heart, I'm going to be cheering for the Falcons. And a lot of it would be uh, if they win, it's going to be because those running backs, both of them have big games, both catching the ball and running the ball. They both have to have big games. Do not sleep on the Falcons' defense. As much as they are young and inexperienced, and we all really respect Brady and his game planning and his intellect, the Falcons' defense has improved steadily throughout the year. They would need to make a couple of big plays on defense to keep them in the game and maybe have a chance at the end. So somewhere along the lines, somebody's got to make a huge play for the Atlanta defense, whether it's Beasley with a strip sack, if it's a an interception off of a tip ball from, say, Keanu Neal or whatever, somebody's got to come up with a big play on defense. Whoever that is, it could be a surprise. We've seen several surprises in, in past Super Bowls where somebody out of nowhere comes up and wins the MVP and has a big game. Somebody has to have a huge game on defense in order for the Falcons to have a chance. I think it sounds counterintuitive, but I think actually a lower-scoring game gives the Falcons a better chance. I don't know that Atlanta wants to get into just a balls out, up and down the field, two-minute drives, trade touchdowns, because if they do that, I just I trust the Patriots more to be able to make that one stop that decides the game. But I, I agree with you about the Atlanta running backs, and if the Falcons could run the ball and set up you know, some short passes out of the backfield, control the tempo, control the clock a little bit, and keep yeah. Brady off the field then you're not, you're not putting pressure on that young defense. That, to me, is the thing I'm probably most frightened about for the Atlanta Falcons, is it just if the Falcons start to have trouble moving the football, you know, a couple three and outs early or something like that, it's just it's right. going to put so much pressure on a defense full of kids in the biggest game of their lives going up against a team that – been there, done that so many times that I, I wonder if the I also I will admit, and I know all these guys are professionals, and that none of them will say you know it's just another it's not just another game it's the Super Bowl there's nothing like it, and with the yeah. exception of what Dwight Freeney I mean how many guys on the Falcons roster have been to the Super Bowl? Seven. Yeah, I think the count was the Patriots have 24 players that have been in the Super Bowl. The Falcons have four. Right. I think I something, very, yeah, something very telling, which I think is going to work against the Falcons again, is that I, I watched Drew Brees today. I don't know if it was on the Dan Patrick show or talking about his, his you know, being in the Super Bowl. It took him two, he said, it took me two to three series to settle down and to settle into the game and to, to, to really get our offense working. You know, after the uh, elongated pregame, he said, normally you come out, you warm up, you do the coin toss, you kick off. In the Super Bowl, it's 
35 to 40 minutes you're sitting out there because they sing America the Beautiful, the national anthem. They do honors. He's like, and you've got to be ready for that. He said, and I wasn't, and it took me a while ago. The Falcons, I believe, have scored a touchdown or at least scored in their last eight games. They've scored first or at least scored on their first drive. So if that defense isn't playing from ahead, it's even worse for them because what the Falcons have been able to do is get a lead, and then, like you said, they're young, but they're athletic, and, and they've made plays, but they've also been playing with a lead, which gives you a little bit more leeway for a mistake or two, whereas the Patriots, who are veterans at this, I mean, at least at the, at the skill position, Brady, even Edelman, I mean, not Bennett, but a lot of the players, like you said, 20-something, the Patriots are going to be okay with how this game goes. I just, I'm just hoping for a good Super Bowl. Let's just be honest; these playoffs have sucked. Yeah. There's been one. There's, there's been one, one good, good game. game. One good game, yeah. Dallas Green Bay, and then there was a decent game with Kansas City Pittsburgh. But I tend to like touchdowns in my playoff game, so I want the Super Bowl to live up to the hype. I, you know, I don't care if it's high scoring, but at least both teams stay close. I want it to be worth watching into the fourth quarter. And we haven't seen that. And my fear is that the Patriots are going to come out early, get a 10 to 17 point lead, and then just pound them with blunt. And they're not going to be able to stop it. And we're just going to be forced to watch. You know, it'll be nice to see Goodell have to hand that trophy over. I'm not going to lie. I'd like to see that as well see the smug man have to eat a little crow. I just want a good game, but I just think it's setting up where, man, I hope I'm wrong, but this is setting up where I think New England's just going to have their way. I I mean, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think New England wins by double digits, but it's below or, you know, by 13 or so. I think – Atlanta will be able to score enough points to keep it relatively close. So I just, the defense is too young. The, their first time, I just everything has to go right for the Falcons. And mm-hmm. if they can pull it off, more power to them. But unless you're the New York Giants playing the Patriots in the Super Bowl with Tom Brady, has not generally worked out so well for teams. So uh, like you said, I just. A good game, please. Well, we got about 15 minutes. Everybody knows one of the best things about the Super Bowl is the prop bets. You can bet on anything. You can bet on everything. So we'll rattle a few of those off. I'll start with you, Todd. I don't know what the oh, what's the over under on a game? Do either of you gentlemen know? Uh, 59. But, but yeah, it, it actually uh, went up. It started at it started at 58, so it's gone up one point. Todd, over under fifty nine. I'm going to go under. Uh, for a lot of the things that we've talked about, I think Atlanta is is going to start off slow because of the delayed start of the game. It's starting later, and let's face it, Atlanta's an East Coast team. It's going to be kind of late, even though they they arrived a day earlier than the Patriots. It's still going to be a late game for them regarding other Sundays per se. Uh, of course, the same scenario does pertain to New England, but they're used to it. They've been there. They've done it before. They've got the experience factor. I think at the end of the day, Atlanta starts slow. New England builds the lead, and then you see a lot of LeGarrette Blunt eating the clock and 
beating up the Falcon defense, keeping the Falcon offense off the field, hence lowering the score because the time is going to run off faster. Wally, who wins the coin toss, and do they take the ball or defer? Mm, I'm going to go with Atlanta wins the coin, uh, the coin toss and takes the ball but does not score, and that's the beginning of what Todd was just mentioning. I agree with you. I think if I'm Atlanta, I take the ball. If I'm New England, I defer. Yep. Exactly. Mr. Lasky, more passing yards. Tom Brady or Matt Ryan? Uh, I guess I would go Matt Ryan because a lot of his might become when they're behind and the Patriots are going to be running the ball more with LeGarrette Blunt, hence my previous answer. And Matt Ryan may have to be throwing the ball to try and catch the Falcons back up into the game. The Patriots may lag more into a prevent defense later on just to prevent from injuries, that sort of thing, allowing more passing yards in the middle of the field. Again, keep them outside of the edge so they can't kill the clock by going out of bounds. Keep the ball in the middle of the field let that clock run. Mr. Sperlin, more rushing yards. Devonta Freeman or LeGarrette Blunt? I'm going to stay with the uh, scenario that both uh, Todd and myself have mentioned and um, go with LeGarrette Blunt because I think, I don't know if they're going to come out and try to pound it with him right away or try to take advantage of some of that youth on defense that you've talked about with the with Atlanta, especially at linebacker, and go with Lewis and uh, White in the passing game. But at some point, they're going to rely on Blunt. And if I can put a quick aside here, I've been doing a Fantasy Pros weekly against the spread column where I pick who's going to win against the spread. So I'd just like to let people know, since I've only been right three times in the playoffs, I picked <laughs> Patriots to cover the spread – so, thank God, first of all, I don't gamble that way. Second of all, <laughs> go with the Falcons because I'm horrible at this. <laughs> I just want to do that public service hey. announcement one time for people. If you read Fantasy Pros, you can see I do okay at my rankings. I do really good at my IDP rankings. I'm horrible against the spread. That's why I don't go to Vegas anymore. They want me there. You know, I just can't go. At Bleacher Report, we've been picking the playoff games all the NFL riders have. And I'm 7-3 and three in 10 games. You know, I'm not feeling too bad about that. All three losses involve the Green Bay Packers. I picked them to lose in the first two rounds, and they won. And then I picked them to win the NFC Championship, and they <laughs> lost. So I have joined my NFC North brethren, Mr. Lasky and Mr. Sperlin, in saying to hell, with the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> it's unanimous. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> the only thing green and gold I have in my in my house is my toilet paper. Mr. Lasky. Wow, that's, that's worse than me. <laughs> that's cold. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Lasky, who scores, who scores the game's first touchdown? You know, I would love to just surprise the, the heck out of you guys and say it's going to be somebody like a uh, – uh, Michael Floyd, who was, I think, yeah, was a tremendous late signing by the Patriots, by the way. But I don't know if he's going to be on the field all that much. I think it's going to end up being somebody more like uh, that huge tight end, Martellus Bennett. Mm-hmm. 
I, 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 his, yep. He's got a huge wingspan. He's got the strength. He's got the size. He's got it all. I think Martellus mm-hmm. Bennett is an excellent candidate to be the first tough summit. Yeah, I don't know what the odds are for Chris Hogan, but I would look hard at that bet because Brady has been looking his way quite a bit in the postseason, especially down in yeah. the red zone. So my pick would be Chris Hogan. So I guess it seems like we're all looking for New England to draw first blood. Oh, Mr. Sperlin, more sacks. Vic Beasley or Trey Flowers? Trey Flowers. Um, I say that, uh, again, having stated earlier that Beasley doesn't have any sacks in the playoffs. And I believe he's going to get the Marcus Cannon, I believe. Is that the right tackle that, that's really come on for the Patriots? Only allowed two sacks. Yeah, 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 really so. Struggling. yeah. so I'm going to go Trey Flowers. Uh, I think that, I mean, he's had a great year kind of a breakout year. I mean, obviously Beasley had a really great year with 15 and sacks, but again, a lot of them in two games. I just see, and again, as we talked about, if the Patriots do build a bit of a lead, I don't think it'd be a blowout. I think I picked the final score for fantasy pros to be something that came to a total point score of 51, which, you know, is sort of high scoring, but not, not a blowout. I think it has the Patriots winning by about 13 or 14 but it's going to give Trey Flowers enough chances to keep getting after Matt Ryan. So, whereas Beasley right now, I think he's going to continue to get better. He's not where he's going to end up at. And I think if you're if you're scheming against their defense, which the hoodie is, you're going to make sure you take care of Beasley. So, you know, yeah. if Cannon's struggling, they're going to chip, they're going to help, they're going to make sure he doesn't get them because there's no other option. They don't have another pass with Claiborne out. They don't really have another pass rushing option. To go off subject a little bit, the guy that Trey Flowers supplanted in New England will be about to hit free agency. Oakland Raiders general manager Reggie McKenzie, if you're listening, which of course you are. Jamal Shearer is a guy I might like. I mean, mm-hmm. that, I think that could be a sneaky good signing for a team in free agency this year. I think Devin Taylor, too. I know he started off hot and tailed way off. But it was an ankle with him here in Detroit. Again, same with Anta. Both right. those guys ended up with high ankle sprains, which you don't come back from, especially when you got to shoot off the edge. I'd love to for now, us to see Devin Taylor, but I think he's gonna be a guy. I know I'm gonna be all over Ziggy in IDP drafts next year. People look at his numbers for 2016 and say, "No, no, 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 fine. Let him drop to me. I'll take him." Yeah, I'll take him all day. If I, you know, if he winds up ranked like fourteen or fifteen on the defensive line, and I can get him, you know, in DL two territory as as and go linebacker, have to kick. Oh, see, I'm already, I'm already getting ready to defend my title <laughs> in the wall. <laughs> oh, you beat me in the wall. I know we got to bring that up, but hey. <laughs> I'm ready to make a run. I'm ready to make. I'm actually. I'm, I'm doing an article right now, or working on one for Sharks, which is my way too early. It's just offensive players' rankings right now, but I've already been mulling in my skull the IDP rankings early, which I know it's way early, but who doesn't love to do that? And I hope Ziggy I, uh... falls where you're thinking he falls, but I'm gonna love him high. <laughs> 
I don't think I'm going to do Super Bowl player rankings if only because it's one game, and I mean, how hard is it to line up from one game? I think instead I might do, I might sit down tomorrow evening and write sort of a NFL honors, like an IDP honors piece, and get that ready for publication on Saturday. And then from there, you know, it's time to start looking at the incoming rookies, and then a free agency will be kicking off, and there'll be plenty of reaction to this. There is no off season. Uh, there's one more prop bet that we haven't mentioned yet that's rather important. I believe that gentleman will be driving away with a shiny new vehicle who they will possibly give to somebody else. Mr. Latsky, who's your Super Bowl 51 MVP? Well, as we've talked about, we all – think the Patriots win, so obviously it's got to be a Patriot. Uh, mm-hmm. There's only been a couple of losers who have won the MVP. Uh, it's not going to happen this year. Uh, I think it's got to be a Patriot. Uh, we've all taught that Tom Brady, we expect Tom Brady to perform well. We expect Garrett Blunt to get a lot of carries. I have stated Martellus Bennett getting the first touchdown. I actually think he gets two. I think Martellus Bennett is your Super Bowl MVP. Wow. Look at Todd off the Bold. Bold. Mr. Sperling. Well, if Martena, uh, Martellus Bennett does catch two touchdowns, it means that Mr. Tom Brady throws him those touchdowns, and the Super Bowl loves them some quarterbacks. They love quarterbacks, all that popcorn and junior mints. So it's Tom Brady. And Wally goes the opposite of old. Well, you know, I, I am going to go. Chalk. You know, I mentioned him a little bit ago as a guy who might be a nice prop bet for the first touchdown. Brady's been looking his way quite a bit of late. Julian Edelman will probably draw the majority of attention from the Atlanta secondary. Considerably Garrett Blunt, but I'm going to go with Chris Hogan. Wouldn't that be a nice way to cap? his first season with the New England Patriots, a season that began with the Patriots giving him a contract that opened some eyes, and then he was hurt a little bit. But I, I think he's, you know, kind of lived up to that deal. So, like you guys which said, means the, let's just, which let's means just hope for a great game. <laughs> let's just hope for a great game. The halftime yeah. show should be interesting. The last time the Super Bowl was in Houston, the halftime show featured a um, – <laughs> wardrobe malfunction. This time yeah. it features Lady Gaga. This time it features Lady Gaga. So I got one more over under for you, Wally. Over under one number of times Lady Gaga references the President of the United States. Oh, I'm going over. <laughs> oh, I'm going over and looking forward to it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it's halftime when it because they had been pretty conservative these past several years, and they kind of started to get just a little more risque each year, and now they done went gaga. So it's going to be the poor Houston. They're gonna be like, we're never gonna get the Super Bowl again. <laughs> Next year it'll be Yanni. That does it for another edition of the Fantasy oh. Football Feeding Frenzy. <laughs> we may be a little sporadic. We won't tell our fans for sure that we're going to be weekly over the next month or so. There may be a couple weeks 
where we're a little hit or miss. We're going to go into the shop here before we get the 2017 stuff underway and see if we can't come up with some improvements for the show. There's going to be plenty of stuff to talk about soon enough. We had the Senior Bowl this past weekend. Combine is at the end of this month. Obviously, we'll have a show around the Combine because there's plenty to talk about then. You know, we'll see if we can't get a few rookie, incoming rookie interviews to go. But we want to put our heads together and come up with ways to make the show more entertaining. I'll say informative, since I don't know if we can make it more informative. I think we're just shooting for informative at this point. But we're just looking for a bigger, grease lightning. Looking for a, yeah, looking for a bigger and better season in 2017. Proud as always to be able to share the show. With you fine gentlemen, enjoy the big game. All right. Thank you so much, you too, also. And good luck with uh, the awards vote. Hoping and praying yeah. for you. Thanks, guys. You're swell. <laughs>